The gospel reading is from John chapter 1, uh, John chapter 1, and uh, we're, we're going to concentrate on verses uh, 43 to 51, uh, but we're going to go ahead and, um, and read uh, f further up, uh, starting at verse 36. John chapter 1. And the John that's mentioned there is John uh, the baptizer. Uh, the next day John was there again. Uh, that's uh, the person we know as John the Baptist. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's far the reading from God's holy word. I invite you to turn back in the scriptures to John 1, where we're concentrating today at verse 43 and following. And we'll have prayer. Lord, in your word you teach us that the natural man does not receive the things of God, and so we pray that your spirit would bring home to us uh, your word, and we ask that you would encourage us in our faith, strengthen us, that we can better serve you, uh, that we can grow in our understanding, uh, that we could, uh, Lord, have that same response is Samuel to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Uh, we pray that we would, in fact, be able to serve you today. And we pray, Lord, that the preaching would be faithful to that end, that you would be our rock and redeemer. Amen. In John chapter 1, the author introduces Jesus in various ways. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made by Him, 
uh, we see that Jesus is the creator. He's the word who was there at the beginning. He was God and he, the word became flesh. And so we have, he's God incarnate. And as John introduced Jesus, the way he knew him is that he was full of grace and truth. He tells us that he's greater than Moses in the opening chapter. And the words of John the Baptist are that he's far greater than I am. He say, don't confuse me with the Messiah. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. I'm not worthy to be his lowest servant. And John identifies him to, to his disciples as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Lamb of God. So when we think about Jesus, we need all, all of these thoughts. The creator, full of grace and truth. The greatest prophet ever, greater than Moses, greater than John, who is the greatest of the prophets, Jesus said. And he is the sacrifice that God has provided, the way to take away our sins, that the destroying angel would pass over that we would be brought out of the slavery of sin and eventually to the promised land. He is the Lamb of God. And we see John the Baptist pointing this out to the disciples. Even with the designation that we're so familiar with, that Jesus is the Son of God. John said, I, I saw heaven open. I saw the Spirit coming down on him like a dove and the message to me was that person, you see that, he's the son of God. And, and so John identified him also as that. We have two of his disciples, two of John's disciples, and leaving him, as John said, look, the Lamb of God. And they go and they follow Jesus. And verses 35 and following, we, in this opening, I'm just going through this for you as a background where Andrew is mentioned as one of them who goes to find his brother Peter. And the other disciple that's not mentioned, but we can infer by reading the whole gospel, is the apostle John. And so these two were originally disciples of John the Baptist. Now they come over to Jesus. Uh, they have also Peter at this time. But in verse 43, where our passage really starts here today, is Jesus leaves for Galilee and he finds Philip and he says to him, follow me. Now, this is the idea of being a disciple, this calling that's to follow Christ. And it's a very simple concept that is open-ended. We don't know where that's gonna take us if we are in fact going to respond to it in the right way. But when that happens, we're going to see devotion. Now, we know people in our area who are devoted to farming. I think about people that give everything to farming. Some people come to mind right now. Uh, ranching. Uh, their idea of vacation is going to a stock show. Uh, we know people devoted to fishing. Some of them probably out in the lake right now. Uh, we know people devoted to their children as God intended. Uh, we know people devoted to football. 
maybe even to a certain team. Uh, we know who the Vikings fans are in this area. We're able to observe all these loyalties. And, and Christians are, to, in a similar way, to reveal to everybody, there should be, no, should be no secret, that we're a disciple of Christ. And the word disciple and Christian are interchangeable. In fact, the disciples were first called Christians on the, during the missionary uh, work uh, in the middle of the book of Acts. They were first called Christians at Antioch. So the word Christ, of course, uh, as the first part of that. And it's a business of the church to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that God, Christ commands. If you do that, people are going to see it. And so you should be able to observe the devotion of the Christian and worship and life practices and this desire to see the kingdom of God come more and more, the rule of Christ. And you'll see it in time given. I meant to hammer on this a little bit more last week with the disciples. They brought their gifts. Another gift that was given is in the background, of course, is their time making this eight-month trip. They were very, very determined uh, to worship Jesus. And the original disciples followed Jesus, and it cost them days and years. When I came to Pollock, I was uh, 26 years old. And I announced a catechism class that was essentially a Bible study. And, and I was surprised. We had like 35 people regularly come every Wednesday. You could come at either afternoon or evening. And it was very encouraging to me as a young pastor to have that kind of response. We had people from Germany visiting uh, during part of that time. And and I, I told them I had to go for this Bible study. Well, who would come to it? And I told them, and they were flabbergasted that people would give up their time to study the Bible. But that's what Christians do. And we have to give up our independent thinking. You know, I, oh, that's what I think. Well, what does Christ want us? How does Christ want us to see the world? The Bible talks about the mind of Christ. You know, not being conceited, not wanting your own way. But what does Jesus want for his church? Uh, being a disciple may cost you everything. The original disciples, they left businesses, wives, family uh, to be with Jesus. Think of the Lutheran uh, pastor Bonhoeffer, one of my heroes uh, that I read about who lived during World War II uh, time. And he died uh, being a faithful pastor. And his book was... If you're going to be a disciple, Christ calls you to come and die. Uh, it could even mean your life. And he said, the cross is laid on every Christian. And the first Christ suffering, which every man must experience, is a call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is a dying of the old man, which is a result of his encounter with Christ. And as we embark upon the discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ and union with his death. We give our, over our lives to death. And this is something that is part of the a real accurate way of, of putting forth a, the cost of discipleship as he does in his famous book. We see that this also means that you follow Jesus, follow me, follow Jesus, and not preachers. Paul, he's 
started dealing with some of the problems at Corinth, and he said, you know, one of you says I follow Paul, one of you says I follow Apollos, and one of you says I follow Cephas or Peter. He said, no, you don't. He said, follow Christ. And so that's what it's all about. When you think of your faith, it's not the following of a, of a human being. It's the following of Jesus. In John chapter 10, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. They will never follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. But our Lord brings out his own. He goes ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. And so follow me. Okay, you follow Christ. And this really, uh, really sums up the call of being a disciple, that we follow Christ. Very, very simple. And we have it again at the very, so we have it at the start of John's gospel in chapter one, and we have it at the very end when Peter is reinstated. And, and Jesus tells Peter, you're gonna die in a, in a way that's gonna be very unpleasant. And then Peter sees John close by, and he asks, well, what about John? When Peter saw John, him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Right? Don't look at somebody else, but you've got your own race to run. You have your own life to live. Follow Jesus. And this is the call as he comes to Philip. Follow me. Well, uh, we uh, look at this passage here and we see that uh, Philip then is on the move, uh, like Andrew and Peter is from the town of Bethsaida. And he found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so we have Jesus finds Philip from the place of Bethsaida, Beth or Beit in the modern Hebrew today it means house. So Bethlehem's a house of bread, Bethany's a house of poor, Bethsaida is a house of fishing. And in this place, uh, there's fishing going on in a sense because uh, Jesus finds Philip and Philip finds Nathaniel. And we have the testimony of Philip. We've found him. We've found him, the one Moses wrote about. It's there in God's word, so you don't miss it. The one the prophets wrote about. And it's important to understand here, and you think about who really does the finding, all right? So yeah, we have the human agency, we have people being faithful, doing what God wants in sharing the gospel, but it's really Jesus who is uh, doing the finding here. As we see um, Philip finds Nathaniel, and as he gives the message, a very simple testimony, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Now that's really confusing to Nathaniel, son of Joseph, not, he's not from Bethlehem, okay? How does that, how does that work out with the prophecies? Jesus of Nazareth. And so he, he asks, uh, he asks, Philip, maybe Philip's a little confused about this here. 
uh, can anything good come from there, from Nazareth? That'd be kind of hard if somebody said that about your hometown, right? <laughs> can anything good come from there? Well, uh, that's what Nathaniel uh, said to, to Philip. And notice how Philip responds to that. He says, come and see. Come and see. I was listening to uh, a YouTube uh, little spot here of, of some a real famous debater. If I told you his name, you'd recognize him immediately, most of you. And he was saying that in all the debates that he had with people, almost never did he ever see anybody change their mind. Even though I saw him just crush people in the debate, but it still didn't change their mind. How do people have their minds changed? Even if they're wrong, they don't want to admit it. It's just, that hurts pride too much. So, uh, no, uh, how, how do you, how do you, what do you say to a person like, like Nathaniel and say, well, there's got to be a reason here and maybe try to use some logic with them. No, here's what Philip said, come and see. Come, come and see. This is a good approach to people that have objections about God and they don't want to believe and, and come and see. Well, come to church and, and see. It's like the psalmist, taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes you just have to come and experience and maybe some of your prejudices will be found to be inaccurate. We see in verses 43 to 49, uh, in Jesus seeing Nathaniel approach, he doesn't need an introduction. He knows him, and he said of him, here is an, a true Israelite in whom there's, there's nothing false. Nathaniel had an epiphany, a sudden realization who Christ is. When Jesus told him, in response to his question, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. There's a picture in God's word of, of, of those who are studying the, the Old Testament under the fig tree. And this seems to be what Philip was doing. And the assumption then is that he's reading scripture. He is having his devotions. And the Lord saw him under the fig tree, nobody else around before Philip comes to engage him in conversation. And the Lord saw him. There, there's a word for that in theology, it's called Coram Dale. The idea we live Coram Dale before the face of God. God, God knows how we live. God knows who we are, what we do. So Jesus already knew Nathaniel, and, and Nathaniel is given a great commendation by Christ. Here's somebody who is a, a true Israelite. Here's, here, here's a re the real thing. Here, here's one of God's people. He's a true Israelite. He's wanting to serve God with his whole heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and strength. And here's Nathaniel. And Jesus knows him. And Jesus knows you also. In Hebrews 4, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
And when you think about that, it's a comfort for the believer to be known. When I read Psalm 139 today, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me, you know when I sit, when I rise. If you're a believer, that gives you comfort. If you're not a believer, uh, that's just a little bit alarming. We have this comfort of one who is known. You think about those of you who are married, if you're happily married, uh, the love of a spouse. And the spouse knows your bad points more than anyone else in the area and still loves you. Even more so can we say of Christ. There's a wonderful hymn that I, I enjoy that has this thought, I wonder how he could love me. I wonder how he could love me, a sinner. It's uncomfortable for the hard-hearted to go to church, to be in, in God's presence. If they have not received Christ as their Savior, it's uncomfortable. And so here's Nathaniel, and he gets this word of Jesus that Jesus knows him, and he, and he, he knew what he was doing a, a short while before that, and he comes to realize and and, and his response is, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so this is what we need to come to, this realization, along with all the other thoughts that have already happened in John chapter 1 of Jesus, creator, lamb of God, and so forth, son of God. He's the son of God. He is the king of, of Israel. Now, John the Baptist has said this before. And no doubt it, it came through his disciples, uh, but now Nathaniel concurs with that. The disciple will come, the promise here is that the disciple will come to know the Lord even more. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? So you're going to see greater things than that. And so the realization here that when Christ, when you understand that Christ knows everything about you, there's even more that's going to happen. That's going to be wonderful. The teaching of Christ uh, is going to be of greater worth than simply being told of his omniscience. The miracles of Christ. And we have... Along with that, the miracle of, of God's work in our life. But for the disciples, they're going to see firsthand uh, the miracles. And they're going to be these miracles that, that John and his gospel is going to set up for us as signposts that Jesus is the Son of God. And he promises him, he said, you shall see heaven open in verse 51. I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open. And this is a thought here that you're going to be in the presence of God. You're going to have this experience of being uh, with, with the Lord. And the picture then in verse 51, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The angels of God are the spiritual messengers and those who help uh, people that are living this life in faith. And the thought here of is Jesus is a stairway, or as some translations have, the ladder 
that Jacob saw in his dream at Bethel in Genesis 28, where uh, Jacob is fleeing from his brother. And in, during that night, he has this vision of God and this, I would translate stairway, uh, that goes from earth to heaven. And we see the angels going up and down, going up with the prayers of God's people, going down with the responses. And we have Jesus identifying with that picture. I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a, a title of deity, is found in Daniel chapter 7. It is the favorite title that Jesus likes to use. And you think about all these announcements about who Jesus is, and here he says, he announces himself as the Son of Man. He is that stairway from earth to heaven. He is the way from earth to heaven. And so this was probably Nathaniel's devotional passage that he was reading. I wonder what this means, Jacob having this stairway or this ladder going and these angels and, and Jesus saying, you're gonna see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus is the way to God. We're gonna see this again in John 14, verse six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The one through whom all the blessings come to us, the ones that we have now, all the good thing, all the blessings come to us through Christ and in the future. Follow me. And this was the call for the disciples and it's a call for each of us today. And what that means is being a disciple of Jesus is a lifelong adventure. It's open-ended, you don't know where that's gonna take you. But you can accurately describe your life, if you're a Christian, as to following Christ. That's what you're doing if you're the real deal, if you're, if you're a Christian. And there's the ongoing comfort that Christ knows you and loves you. And there's a promise of future blessings. Seeing heaven open someday, seeing the face of Christ, future blessings that we cannot even now imagine. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, the call to the disciples, and we see them respond to that great privilege that's also ours. And we pray, Lord, today that you would help us to be your followers, to be thinking what you would want for each of us, as we know that we all have our own race to run. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that you do not leave us as orphans, but you have given us your word and spirit. And in your church, uh, you have given to us a promise that Jesus is with us. And so we ask for these blessings in his name. Amen.